Welcome to the Win Daily Show. I have Ashley Neville here, NBA reporter, spent some time at Bleacher Report, SB Nation, working the Summer League, NBA, NCAA, WNBA. You've done it all. Good morning, good afternoon. I'm in New York. You're out in Arizona. Um, time difference doesn't really matter. I don't even know what day it is anymore. I think it's Friday. I think it's 2 o'clock, but every day looks the same. We're in quarantine. We're trying to stay productive. We're trying to stay positive, and we're really going to give you some knowledge, some inside scoop of what Ashley's about, what I'm about, and, you know, a little bit of introduction of how you got started in sports because everybody wants that job. I have people hitting me up on LinkedIn all the time. How can I get involved in sports? And the first thing I want to say to them is, don't do it for the money because there's not a lot of money. Unless you're an athlete, you know, you can be chasing something where you could definitely make more money in a lot of different fields. But if you have a passion for it, uh, my suggestion recently has been find somebody who can really mentor you and really teach you about what it really takes rather than going maybe for a money grab or going for something that you, you don't like the job you're doing and you're not really learning much. I'd rather go with somebody. I'd rather work underneath you where I can learn something from directly. I can do a lot of different things, figure out what I really like to do in sports, and then go that route. That's been my suggestion. But tell us how you get started and tell us what you give to, you know, the advice you give to a young girl or guy who wants to get started in sports. So I actually did start my mentorship and coaching program just because I was getting a ton of emails, a ton of messages. How do I get started? What do I do? Um, so I was like, all right, I don't have time to answer all these questions. I don't have time to mentor all these people. So I wanted to take people who I felt were very serious about their craft and very serious about what they do. Um, and I can really tell after the first, like, you know, couple email correspondence, a couple times of me talking to them back and forth like this, um, I could tell who's serious about it and who's not. Um, and I just kind of weed those people out. Um, and there are people who do it for the wrong reasons. And there's people who truly love what they do. And for me, the biggest thing about how I got started was doing things the non-traditional way. Um, not to say that I'm a rebel, but, uh, but to say that I just don't think that there's one size fits all for everything, right? Um, so you might see that someone took the path where they started at a small newsroom and then they made, worked their way up um, in the newsroom er, in the newsroom field. For me, I was like social media, social media, social media, social media. We need really, we need a hit on that hard. Uh, because we, we were starting to notice, you know, I started to notice like, people posting videos on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, all these different platforms, YouTube. And I was like, they're getting so many views. Wow. And then I would look at news stations and the views are not nearly as high. So I was like, do I really want to go that route or can I produce my own content? Um, so my career did start at the University of Arizona. Um, that's where I started working for ESPNU and covering the football and basketball team there. And I started getting interviews and I started filming all my own things, asking my own questions. And then after I graduated, um, I went to the NBA Summer League and I got a credential. I don't know how I got a credential, but I somehow did. Um, they weren't as strict um, with the credential process as they are now. Um, but I got in and I started just networking, asking people, you know, talking to people like, all right, where do I go for this? Where do I get interviews? Like, who do I ask for? Blah, blah, blah. So I started just navigating. I'm by myself. I have a selfie stick, um, microphone that attaches. Yeah, I'm just running around like I have no idea what I'm doing, but I just got to pretend like I do. And I just started asking, you know, more of the fun questions because I, I was studying the game a lot when I was in school. So U of A, like, yeah, it's a party school. But for me, like, I was kind of like, I lived a little bit off campus and 
I was kind of like not doing much. I was kind of really focused on sports. Like I love, I was watching league pass all the time. Like I would cancel plans. Like, sorry, this game is tonight. Like I, I can't leave the couch. Like I gotta watch the game. And I would actually like study um, what reporters were asking, what was being said, the narratives, agendas, things like that. And it, I got to the point where I'm like, these questions are horrible. Like these questions, like what, what are they trying to, to get here? Um, and you'd see a lot of reporters try to like egg certain things on where they would want like a specific answer to try to cause drama. And I'm like, uh, -uh no. Um, I think after a long game, players want to hear better questions. Um, so when I went to summer league, I was like, this is my time to start to ask those questions. Like if you were a GM and you can have a top five starting five lineup, who would it be? If you weren't playing basketball, what would you be doing? And like, why? What other hobbies? What other things? And I started to notice the players were really enjoying those kinds of questions when all these other reporters were asking about the game. Yeah. I'm like, no, it's summer league. I get that there are some people out there who are using summer league to really shine and to really get noticed and to get a roster spot. But most people are going there. Um, I mean, they want to play, but I mean, it's Vegas. I mean, I'm going there for, I mean, if I'm thinking about, I'm going there for the drinks, I'm going there for the gambling. I mean, you know, certain things that I want to do. Um, I'm not necessarily going there to play basketball, but it's also a way for people to um, network, meet yeah. more people. Open I mean, a lot of, yeah. yeah, a lot of these guys um, have other business ventures that go beyond basketball. So that, that's a way for everyone to get in one place to have meetings and whatnot. So I started noticing the players were like, okay, like these questions are cool. And like even D'Angelo Russell was fed up with the reporters at that point when he was at the Lakers. And then when I asked that question, he was like, yo, that's a, that's a good question. Probably the best question. Because he was fed up with everyone at that point. Um, and I wanted to keep things light and fun. Like, there's, there's no reason to talk about them losing into the summer league game and, you know, how devastating it is. Like, it's summer league. It's not a champion. It's not like the NBA championship. Um, I'm not trying to downplay the summer league at all, but I feel like it was an opportunity to get to know these people um, as more than just basketball players. So I started doing that. And then I started posting all the content to Instagram and posting it everywhere and I started getting noticed and I started um, working for different companies here and there. Um, but I would say that the biggest thing that I tell people is to find your lane and be creative and don't let anyone try to tell you that you have to be something that you're not. And I noticed it was always just me like in conflict of like, well, I don't want to do it that way. This is the way I feel like people want to see it. This is the way people, I mean, they want something different they want something fresh. So I started to get to the point where I'm like, all right, like, I don't want to do it the traditional way. I want to, to figure out my lane, figure out what I'm passionate about, what I love. And that's kind of how things, you know, really took off. Um, getting different interviews with different players, um, you know, gaining that, th those, those friendships, those connections, relationships, building that, cultivating that. And then also having reporters. Um, Amin Al-Hassan with ESPN has been um, a really good mentor for me to have. Um, we connected, I think, on LinkedIn when I was still in, in college at that point. And um, he let me shadow him at ESPN in Bristol. And um, I flew out. I paid my way, flew out. I bought a hotel for a couple of days, and I got to see him, what he does every day, all day. I was spending a whole, a whole entire day at ESPN. I got to kind of see what goes on behind the scenes, how things operate. Um, and then from there... You know, I went to a couple other um, TPG sports group. They used to have a sports seminar that they would have people speak at, like Fran Fischella, a couple other ESPN people. It kind of gave you an idea of, like, how the industry worked. Do I want to go into production, marketing, reporting, scouting? Um, what area of NBA do I want to explore? 
And then from there, I started interviewing a ton of different coaches who happened to be in the league now who were just college coaches at, at that point. And I built relationships with coaches. Um, there are certain guys that I see and they, they say, hey, like, what's up? They remember me. Um, and I've known them for years. So I know I kind of rambled a lot, but I feel like it's, I, if I were to give you top three things, number one, figure out what you want to do um, and be passionate, do it with, with 100% effort. Um, number two, you're going to have to invest in yourself. I don't care how much money it is. You're going to have to invest in yourself. I mean, I've invested thousands and thousands of dollars into making sure that I'm meeting the right people, putting myself in the right situation, um, in the right place for me to meet the right people, investing in cameras, computer, whatever you need to do, like figure it out. Like you, you have to figure out a way to make it work. And number three, um, I would say stay true to yourself, your brand, who you are, who you want to become, um, and just don't take no for an answer. Yeah, the takeaways I got, you kind of, you said a lot, but a lot of good information and a lot of stuff that I can relate to myself because I kind of went the same path. A um, couple things, investing in yourself, huge. You know, there's no better investment in this world, not the stock market, not the casino floor. It's investing into yourself, whether that's education or, you know, just the connections or going to these seminars or conferences or just putting yourself in a position to meet people. That's a huge thing that you got to be doing and willing to do a network, um, taking risk. Like we're talking about risk. We're not talking about, you know, gambling away all your money or taking drugs or anything like that. We're talking about calculated risk to put yourself in a position. Like everybody says to me, Jay, you're so lucky. How do you always so lucky? It's not, I'm not trying to be, you know, cocky at all. It's not luck. It's just, you got to be in the right spot at the right time. And as far as timing goes, what you did was really smart. Like a lot of people got to get a job at SB Nation. They think they made it. Like it's over. Like you, you got the job, the job that everybody wants, but that's not really what made you was you was taking the risk. Even after you got the dream job that everybody want, you went out and you saw what social media was capable of doing for you. The real commodity these days is not the amount of money you have in a bank, but it's how much attention do you really have? And if you're on social media and you got 16,000 followers, loyal people to your personal brand, that's worth more than, some big box brands who have a retail shop and they're, they're selling goods. You have direct connection. If you say, Hey guys, let's meet up and let's throw a conference together or come in my Facebook live and let's talk about what we're all doing together. That's really a strong thing that these bigger brands can't figure out for themselves. And you figured it out on your own. It's taking those risks. Like for you to say, you know what? I'm just going to take my cameras. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to get myself a credential to NBA summer league, which, some people think it's impossible. You did it. You know, some people think it's impossible to get a show on Sirius XM. You know, to be honest, between me and you and whoever's listening, I have, I don't have a radio voice. I never had any idea or inclination. If you told me a year ago, Jay, that you write a book and you'd be on Sirius XM, I would have bet the house against it because it's never been a passion or a goal for mine. But when those doors open, I take the opportunity and I run through them and I figure it out afterwards. And I'm sure you did a little bit of that. Like, you probably didn't know what to do with this selfie stick and you're around NBA players. And I saw you were really nervous when you got to interview your idol growing up kind of in Derrick Rose. Like you had to be scared shitless to some extent to go interview Derrick Rose and a guy that you kind of, you know, watch growing up and now you're standing there and you're a reporter on your own doing this kind of stuff. So you got to take risks. You got to invest in yourself and you, you have to notice the trends. Like you probably noticed social media was a bigger thing 
than everybody around you and they weren't listening. So instead of standing handcuffed in that box, you just broke out and said, hey, I'm going to do this by myself. I can get in now. Now's the time. Let me just go ahead and do it. So I applaud you for that. It's, it's really risky to take those chances. And some people, now I see people at work, I do some consulting as well. They complain about their paycheck. They complain about their position. And then they work less hard. And they don't try anything different. And they expect like things to come to them. Like, all right, you're doing the same thing. You're working less, but you're complaining more. And you expect what to happen. You know, you had something good. You like, I want something better for myself. And you went out there and made it happen, work harder. So I think a lot of people can take a lot of good from that. And now, right now, everybody in this world hit the pause button. We're all on pause. So if you want to recreate yourself, now is a, a blessing, a perfect time. Like, I've seen pe people are going to come out of this quarantine if the world gets back to normal, God willing, everything gets back to normal. Some random people are going to hit gold just by taking a chance and getting a mic or getting a video camera and going on TikTok, as crazy as that sounds, and they're going to be a household name recording out of their basement. It was never a chance where an individual can go out there and put together a whole entire show, get it in front of hundreds of thousands of people. Back in the day, you had to climb 10 ladders, work 10 years to get a shot to be on the radio. Now you have a mic in front of you and technically you're speaking to more people with 20,000 followers than most people do at the local radio station anyways. So, you know, make your voice heard and do it. Here's the thing that I think people get very confused about. So yeah, I was working for SB Nation, but I was only getting paid $300 a month. Okay, let's put things in perspective here. <laughs> like it might be the dream job, but people are only seeing what's going on, on the outside, right? They're seeing, oh, she's talking to Derek Rose. Oh, she's talking to Damian Lillard. Oh, she's talking to James Harden. Oh, she's, yeah, for 300 a month. And hey, I'm blessed. I would rather take the least amount of money in the world to do what I love. Yep. as opposed to working for a business or a company that I don't want to work for. And I did do that path for a little bit. So I did take some time off um, with the MBA and I was doing life insurance. Um, and I realized, okay, I could still do this. I'm a people person. Like, you know, I could figure out a script and what we have to say and I can study for a test and, you know, I can, you know, put on a smile and, and make sales and I can make it happen. But I was getting to the point where I, when I would hit my, my head on that pillow every night, I'm like, this is not me. Yep. I go, I'm not going to give up everything that I worked for to do something that I don't love, even if it's paying my bills and it's making me a ton of money. I just could not find it in my heart to do that. And a lot of people think like that I made it or I'm doing all this amazing stuff and I'm making all this money. No, like I still live in my parents' house. And hey, like I'm, I'm blessed right now to be living in my parents' house because I don't have rent to pay. <laughs> exactly. I'm not, well, I'm, I have limited bills to pay right now. So everyone thinks, oh, she has it made, she's doing this, but don't get it twisted. Like you're not making the big bucks until you're at like ESPN, Fox Sports, Yahoo, and you're like a top, top reporter where you're not just working part-time, but you're full-time. So yep. with Estimation, I was technically a part-time employee, but I was working full-time hours. I mean, I was going to every practice, every shoot around, Almost, mm, we, I, I kind of split the schedule up with games, but then I think about this, I was juggling multiple shoot arounds. So I'm going to not only the Suns shoot around, but whoever was coming to town, I'm going to their shoot arounds too. And then on top of that, I was also going to different um, games in different states. So I was following them like on the road and I was going to 
the Warriors game or I was going here and going there, the Lakers. Um, so it's the grass isn't always greener on the other side, right? I think 100%. everyone is dealing with things that they're, and even people who work for bigger, bigger companies are not happy. Yeah. There's places that I've interned for where the reporters, right before they would go on and do a segment, they'd be, you could just tell they look miserable. Yep. And I'm like, I would kill for your job. I would do anything to be in that position where I have my own show. Um, and it was in a big market too. And I'm not going to name the show. I'm not going to name the person, but it was in a big market where this, this is people's dream job. But yep. for him at that point, it, I don't know what was going on internally with either within the organization or within in himself, or maybe things were, were not good at home, but everyone's going through their own thing, their own struggle. So you might think, Oh, this person hasn't made, but we're only showing you, our, our lives in the best possible way. I mean, that's another thing that social media does is that it shines, it shines us in a good light, but we're all dealing with things. We're all dealing with our insecurities, our doubts, our fears. Um, we all have that. And it's just a matter of t knowing when to turn it off yeah. um, and, you know, and understanding, Hey, like you're going to get rejected. There are going to be people that don't like you. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to do things that you regret. You're going to, completely fail at something that you poured your heart and soul in, but you need to realize that you're going to fail if you don't even try. So yeah, one thing you're winning, you're learning from the situation. So there's people that are, are like still afraid of taking that step. And I'm yeah. like, I'm like, just do it. You know, like people I'll talk to, they'll tell me all their goals. Oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. I'm like, I go to their social media. I'm like, you have nothing on your social media. Yeah. Oh. See, I, I was posting weird videos before I got in. Like, yeah, I was a type initially i've been married for about 10 years that i never thought social media was for me because i you know i thought it was more of a a social dating platform type of thing for a long time i'm like it's just going to cause problems i have my wife i have my family i don't need it and then reading more books and listening to more people i finally realized that not that i finally realized i always understood it but social media is going nowhere it's only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger so at that point, I'm like, screw it. You know, I got to be on these social media platforms for my personal brand because I don't want to be subject to somebody else having full control over me as an employee or anything else. So I want to start building my brand. So I started somewhere. And like you said, you're going to fail. Like, I still fail at Twitter every day. I can't figure out Twitter. Like, Twitter to me is like, you just got to be talking trash or doing some random stuff to really get the following. People are really mean on Twitter. I try yeah, to Twitter's tough. Twitter has done has caused nothing but problems. Yeah. Um, when I started using it, I was still a kid, so yeah. you can only imagine some of the crap that went down back in the day. And um, Twitter has just been horrible. And people like always have a, an opinion. It's like yeah. suddenly like there's health experts. Like no, like you're just like some random guy in your mom's basement thinking you know everything and you don't. And it's just turned into like everyone has an opinion. Everyone has something to say. Um, yeah. So don't even worry about Twitter. I mean. It's cool, but when you start engaging with people, it just turns into a freaking nightmare. So yeah. I stay away. Yeah, Instagram, so but from back from what you were saying, though, like 100%, you got to take these risks. You got to take chances. It's not always going to be so glorious. Like you see people posting on IG that they're on yachts, they're on this, they're on that, they're an influencer, making all this easy money. But at the end of the day, a lot of that is just fraudulent and fake, and it's not mm -hmm. real. And it's the real people that are grinding behind the scenes just to just to get it to the next level to the next step and i always thought that i want to retire at 30. that was always like my goal like i want to make so much money i can retire at 30. after 
passing dirty and now I'm past 35 and now speaking to people older than me, I'm starting to realize you never really want to retire. You want to repurpose. You just want to repurpose a goal because if you're not waking up every day with something that you're passionate about to do, whether it's, you know, working on a fundraising charitable organization or a new startup or building your social media platform or launching a new product, whatever the case may be, you got to have a purpose in life outside of just going to work or just waking up to watch TV. So I think that's a big thing. And I really, really, really hope that, you know, what I realized kind of by staying home this past month is I don't need the things that I thought I needed before. And as simple as going out to dinner so much, you know, we used to go out to dinner two, three days a week. I order lunch, dinner, I'm making all my food. I love to cook regardless, but I'm also starting to realize that, you know, I can, I can live a, a, a cheaper, more frugal lifestyle. And maybe that could be an easier way to relieve some financial pressure for certain people, not to do all these extracurricular things. And hey, I'm totally fine making less money, doing something I'm more passionate about. And I, I hope certain people come out of this pandemic with that mindset that, wow, all that stuff I was doing before, it really didn't make me happy. I was actually happy sitting at home for a month, not doing all those other things. And I also started this passion project that I want to see through, you know, I started it. I'm not going to just stop it now because I have to go back to work. I'll, and people like the biggest excuse that I hate the most is I don't have enough time. Like I hear that more than ever. And I'm going to tell my story. I literally wrote a book when my wife was pregnant. I launched the book as my daughter was born within like a month of my daughter born, my first child and sleeping is like zero at that point in the first couple months still maintain a 50 hour work week at my other job, launched a brand, raised a newborn, and you can survive not every day on five hours of sleep or four hours of sleep, but you can be a lot more productive than you think you are. Even right now, I, I, the one thing I'm still failing on, and I'll be fully, I admitted on the last podcast I was on, I always said I didn't have enough time. That's why I'm not working out. But now I got all the time in the world. I'm staring at a treadmill, dumbbells, and a workout room, and I'm still not working out. So it's not time. It's just me making the excuse because I'm working or I'm hanging out with my daughter or my wife. It's no, it's you had 20 minutes, dude. Just just go do some push-ups if it came down. I'd go hop on the treadmill. It's just a laziness and the mentality that, you know, people are lazy. People make excuses. Even though you're successful in five or six things, there's still one thing that you got to tackle, and it's hard to do it. You have to really, it's a mindset. It's something I call like the win daily mindset that you got to take a victory every day. Even in your losses, there could be victories in your losses, like getting turned down by somebody. Oh, that didn't hurt that much. You know, it wasn't a big deal. I'll go to the next one. I think you kind of have the same kind of mindset that I do is not really scared of anything. You know, what's the worst thing? Like I've done some wild things as far as asking people that I don't even know for an interview or a podcast or trying to go for jobs that I shouldn't even have or get in front of people I don't even know and just pitch them. What's the worst thing that can happen? They say no, but they can respect you if you do it passionately and you, you, you don't sound like an idiot and you just go out there and do it. I think a lot of people aren't willing to take those risks as simple as they are. Just, hey, pick up the phone. Like somebody asked me, hey, Jay, how are you getting all these people to come on your podcast? I'm like, dude, I just asked. Like, what's going to happen? They say no. Like if Ashley said no, all right. Sorry, yeah. Ashley, didn't, couldn't make it happen. You know, maybe I'll try again in a couple months. But that's simply how you can do it. And with you, you're going up to professional athletes. And I think the thing that you did really smart was 
you went with a different approach. You didn't say, hey, Dame, why did you shoot three for 15 in the first half? Like, that's not what he wants to hear. Say, Dame, how's your rap career going? Like, something funny like that. Will you ask me about my rap career right now? Like, yeah. that's a way to come off the yeah. hot topic. You had a track with, with Lil Wayne. Like, that was, like, my idol in high school. Like, yeah. that's the thing, like, to go back to your point is, you know, I look at rejection as just redirection. Um, when things don't work out the way that, that you think that they're supposed to in your mind, um, there's something else that's for you. That, that's just like the mindset, the approach that I take is, okay, this didn't work out for me. This didn't work, but there's something out there for everybody. There's going, I'm going to find my fit. I'm going to find the company that I'm supposed to be at. Um, and who knows, maybe it's not going to be sports. Maybe it's going to be more of the stuff that me and you kind of talked about more of like the mindfulness and, um, to kind of tie that into psychology and how people work and how people think. Um, so I do have a lot of other passions besides sports. I mean, I do want to keep, you know, I like to talk. I like sure. to speak. I like to talk to other people, bounce ideas off each other, get new perspectives. Um, but again, like what I was always taught is when you think about it this way, when you, when you say we don't have time, we all have time for the things that are a priority to us. Yep. So you say to yourself, instead of saying, I don't have time, say, is this a priority? And if working out's just not a priority and you don't care, then just say it, say it out loud. It's not a priority for me. Like working out has not really been like the number one thing that I want to do. Like, and I worked out, I've worked out a lot for years and years and years and years. And the type of workouts I would do make me like hate going to the gym now. Exactly. My whole mindset's like, oh, going to the gym just sounds horrible. Yeah. So I don't do as the intense workout. I try to at least get my steps in for the day and go take a walk or do whatever. Yeah. Um, but again, it's just not a priority. You'll make time for anything that's a priority for you. So when someone's out of time, you're just not a priority. That, that's basically what it is. Now with coaching, let me ask you a question because you've been doing this coaching thing a lot. And I consult people and I, can, I coach people from a lot of different you know, walks of life. I have 20 different writers and people working underneath the Wind Daily brand. I always found it weird when you tell somebody, hey, here's a good book or here's a good podcast go listen to. The reaction I get is always, all right, I'll check it out. But then like a week later, I'll say it to 10 different people and people potentially that I view maybe financially or success higher than me, lower than me, and at the same level as me. And I'm always shocked the following week, the person that hits me up, yo, Jay, that changed my life. You tell me to do that. And it's never the person that I think would do it. Like a lot of people who financially might be ahead of me, they think, oh, I can't learn anything more. I'm good. The people at my level, they think, oh, what does Jay got to say? People below me, they're like, oh, I'm not at that positive stuff. That's not going to do anything for me. I'm always shocked by the people actually will take the knowledge, take the information with an open mind and go check it out. And then out of 10 people, like, yeah, I'm telling you, it's helping me. If it can help me, it can help you. Some people just don't want to take that first step and even listen to a podcast. And nowadays, like my biggest advice to people, I drive like 40 minutes in New York traffic sometimes back and forth. I love music. I used to be a DJ, love music. Music is a side hustle, passion of mine, but I don't listen to the music in the car no more, really. I listen to podcasts. I listen to something educational, not every ride, but I try to... You know, for someone who doesn't have time, that 40 minutes where I can listen to a Gary V podcast or somebody else that I follow, it just gives me that energy to start thinking and start getting my mind going. Like, but I'm shocked that some people who need the help or want the help or really successful, they don't listen. It's ego. Yeah, it's right. 
And I used to be that person. I still am sometimes. I'm pretty stubborn sometimes. I'll admit it. Um, I think for me, for, for anyone who, who tries to say, oh, listen to it, oh, whatever. I mean, it's definitely their ego talking because they're, they're, they're looking at it from a standpoint of like, this guy's telling me that I need to do this and that I don't already have that knowledge. And like, they're thinking at it from a completely negative perspective yep. when it should be the fact that you're just trying to give them, maybe they haven't listened to it yet. Maybe there's going to be little pieces in there that could help. Yep. Um, there's certain people I go to who I say, hey, I need a, I need a good podcast if you recommend. Just based on like the conversations I have with them or based on what they post on social media, I'm like, okay, I can trust them because I like their style and I feel like we have the same mindset. So I'm like, yeah, suggest a podcast. I really want to listen to it. So again, people like that, it's ego talking. Um, they're, they're just questioning like you being like, well, what do you know more than me? Um, but honestly, that's a really negative approach to have. And I definitely think I can't stand those people who want to say, um, oh, you're going to send me more of that positive stuff. What do you want to listen to negative things all day? Like, that's the kind of life you want to have? Like, yeah, what, I get that. What, you, what you think about expands. Yeah. So, whether, so that's another thing, too, is that your, your body doesn't know the difference. Like, when you're telling, like, you know, I'll make a joke, like, oh, I'm so fat, I'm eating all these snacks. When you're telling yourself that, like, it's just, it's giving your whole, it's just, it's messing up your entire, entire aura about yeah. you. And it's just one simple change in like your mindset, the things you say about yourself, the things you say about other people. Um, and it's something that I work on daily. Um, again, because we all revert back to that where it's like the doubts, you know, it's the rejections, it's the fears. And this is something that's been put engraved in society in us at such a young age. We're told we can't do this. We're told it has to be done this way. And I was always one of those kids where I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it that way. I don't want to do it that way. Um, but it's really tough because some people are taught by their parents or teachers and they have to understand that they're being taught. They were taught by their parents and their teachers. Yeah. So they, they don't know any better. Yep. 100%. So, ego. Yeah. Ego is a ego crush. A lot of people and really limits people, you know, and, and fear is, is another, you know, emotion that, you know, I saw Will Smith and he posted a really cool video just about fear. And I talk about it every once in a while. Fear is just an emotion. And usually when you go through the action and you're on the other side of fear, you look back, why did I stress all week about this one thing? You know, like interviewing you, interviewing you like, ah, oh, I got to interview Ashley. I never really met her before. I got to get this thing going. And I'm like, I'm not worrying about it. I'm not worried about the first day I did the Sirius XM show with no radio experience in my entire life. I met the guy got put on to come on with me. I closed the deal to get on. I got my partner to come on. I met my partner once in my life. We talked for 20 minutes and we started a show together, cold, ice. Like I'd never even shook his hand prior to meeting him that day in New York City. And that fear, like if you sweat that the entire way through, it'll eat you up. And I know a lot of successful people that, you know, fear is something that really controls them. Like, look, I'm scared of snakes. You put me in a room full of snakes, I'm going to freak the hell out. But like, oh, no way <laughs> you put oh. me in a room and say, Jay, just go randomly on stage and pitch five people, a random business idea that you just thought up today. I'll just do it. Like what's the worst that can happen? You know? So like there's certain things I'll fearful of and my more fearful things that, you know, eat at me is, you know, my conscience, like, you know, am I doing the best I can or, you know, is Am I treating these people as good as I can, whether it's an employee of mine or somebody around me? That's when yeah, that kind of stuff eats at me, but not ego-based stuff where it's like, you know, I'm not going to do this because somebody else told me. No, if somebody tells me, yo, Jay, go listen to this podcast, 
best believe I'm going to go, even if it's in a different language, I'll get it, you know, translated so I can hear it. Because if I can pick up one thing, like I always want to learn, like when I learn something new a day, I say it out loud, like, oh, shit, I learned something new today. That's great. You know, I hate people who on Monday, they're like, I'm having the worst week right now. I'm like, dude, it's Monday. How are you already ruining your entire week when it's just Monday? But that's a lot of the mindset. I really, really hope that this pause button right now, people start thinking a little bit differently. Like I'm seeing certain people and I've been kind of guiding through my friends. And over the years, I kind of tuned out certain people. And, you know, at this age now, it's like I got my trusted circle and these are the people I want to talk to. And I'm happy to see the people around me saying, you know, it's a blessing. You know, with me, it's a blessing. I have to spend time with my daughter. My business hits the pause button. I can, nobody else is growing right now. You know, everybody else is pulling back. And the bigger companies, like the, the bigger, I'm not going to mention any names, but the bigger companies right now, they got tons of overhead. They got people and rent, and they're going to bother and annoy and stress a lot of people out in their organizations the public, and they're facing a lot of tough times from a financial standpoint. Me and you sitting in our houses, running our businesses and running our brands right now, my overhead goes back down to close to zero and I can reevaluate where do I want to pivot? Like right now we pivot a little bit. I have no, like you said, video games, no passion at all. But I made a claim to my crew. I'm like, we're going to be the number one esports provider in the country right now. Let's just do it. And we all pivoted to esports, no passion, I, I, I don't want to be in this space for long, but for right now, let's give it a shot. Why not? And I think the smart people are seeing this as an opportunity. There's to balance out their lifestyle. They were working too hard to spend time with their family or maybe spend time getting in shape, whatever the case may be. And then there's certain people that you get on the phone and I'm like, my life is miserable. I got this. I got that. I got my kids. Yeah. You know, like, listen, I'm, I'm not going to lie. A one-year-old is definitely easier than three, seven, 10, 12 year old boys. So they definitely got it worse than me teaching them classes and getting them through school, but you'll never have this again. You know, you'll never, hopefully you never have this opportunity again to spend two months just with your family and your loved ones. And you know, you're with your parents or whoever it is. I think people should really soak it up because I'm going to be more upset when we have to go back to the real world and, and, and deal with all the bad things that are out there and the stresses of the world. So like, I never got a two month vacation in my life. Like I'm looking at it this way in a positive way, you know, hopefully I have family members. I live in New York, family members who have the virus, they recovered, they're doing okay. You know, hopefully everybody come out of it with a positive, but my mindset in my house, I've been bunkering down for like a month now. It's all positive. I got to stay positive. Cause if not, you're going to stress everybody else around you. So I'm trying to stay strong and you know, I hope you're doing the same, but yeah. let me ask you a couple of questions. You know, I don't know if you did this purposefully or not, but the day before we set up this interview, you told me, you post on LinkedIn the 10 things that you don't know about me. The first thing you put up there matched me perfectly. The first, my first love was baseball. Forget about like sport. The first thing I loved, I always carried around a ball anywhere I went as a young kid. And I still play softball. Like that's the one thing I, I don't make an excuse for. I run out the house when there's a softball game to play. I miss that more than pretty much anything right now, but your first love was baseball. How did you get involved in baseball and why did you stick to baseball? Why did you go to basketball? Well, my grandma, um, big baseball fan. She loved the Cubs. So did my grandpa. Um, and we also had season tickets to the Cubs as well. So 
I would miss school sometimes and I would go, me and my brother would go um, to where my grandma would live. So we'd drive down there. My mom would drive us down before work, drop us off. We would take the train to the games and they already had like pre-made sandwiches. Like my grandpa used to own a deli, amazing sandwiches. So we'd have like sandwiches, chips, pop. We'd have all this stuff and we'd go to the games. And I just fell in love with baseball. It was such a fun experience going to Wrigley Field and being able to do that at such a young age and watch Sammy Sosa um we watched Derek Lee we watched um Mark like I remember that whole Moises Alou like I remember all those guys Alex Gonzalez and then um just going to the ballpark was just a different experience especially when it was with my brother and my grandparents and that was really something that I cherished with um my grandma mainly I mean my grandpa you know he's cool but like my grandma was like really into it like she would angry and she'd be screaming and um, I love that fire and that passion about her. Um, and then we were, I was at the Steve Bartman game, the classic game. You were at that game? I was at that game with my mom. Oh, my brother and his friend were sitting in a different area. Me and my mom were together. I think that was 2003, and I believe it was against the Marlins. Definitely the Marlins, uh, yeah. And we were at that game, and of course, they didn't have any video on the Jumbotron, so we really didn't know anything that was going on until – after the game about why they lost, what really happened. And, but I do remember seeing people throwing things off where we were sitting off the ledge, trying to hit him um, with food and they were throwing everything, beer. Um, and they lost that game. And I remember I was devastated. I was wearing a Sammy Sosa jersey and underneath it, I had a Cubs win t-shirt. I don't know if that jinxed it, um, but I was so ready to like take it, take that, take the jersey off. Cubs win! Uh, We're going to the World Series. Oh, I was so excited. Um, and then after that, you just kind of felt the the eeriness. In I the felt field. bad. Like we, I was watching at home, and it was it was it was a bad scene to watch. But like you said, I kind of had the same feeling. My mom, my parents divorced. My mom got me into baseball, and I don't see it anymore. Maybe because the same thing that you just said. Me and my mom would stop at a deli or stop at – I used to remember there, was, there used to be a Roy Rogers in Queens on the way to the game. We used to stop and get, like, chicken and bring whatever we wanted in a game. Now you can't bring in, like – you can barely bring in your wallet to a game, which I understand why. But I don't enjoy going to baseball games or any games as much as I used to. I don't know. I don't know if it's the, it was a kid in me or the technology that we have at homes now. And now so. it's going to be interesting now, too. Like, I don't know when I feel safe going back to a game like with this whole pandemic like it's 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 gonna take some time like I wasn't I like going to games don't get me wrong but like with parking and all the the different things get in and out drunk people like that vibe kind of changed for me but as a kid it was just amazing like baseball was a thing and I grew up a Mets fan I kind of like kind of like it was yeah I had they won the World Series when I was three years old, but after that, it's been all downhill. So you guys finally – how was it when the Cubs finally won? Like, was it, like, like a big burden coming off your entire body? Like, how did it feel? I mean, I was out here, so I didn't really get to experience the full Chicago vibe, which I wish I did. It's like a holiday, probably. Oh, my God. My brother, he posted videos because he was down there, and he was just – the streets were swarming, and everyone's – screaming and so excited and he got on the news too and he would just you know um it definitely felt good because it was finally like ugh, you know about time yeah. and since 1908 like it's about time and that was you know I stopped watching baseball after the Steve Bartman the whole thing even though it really wasn't his fault 
I was just heartbroken as a fan. I'm like, and then all those years of them just after that, just being, they're just sucking. I'm like, yeah. why am I going to keep watching an organization that's trash? Like, yeah. I mean, I'm always going to be a, a Cubs fan. I'm never going to go and like be like, you know, I'm a Yankees fan because they win or I'm a, I'm a Red Sox fan. Ooh, like, no, like I'm, I'm going to be a Cubs fan. But at the end of the day, like I've gotten to a point where I can watch all sports and enjoy it regardless if it's, it's my team that's in it. I mean, the Bulls, obviously, if they're in the in, – you know, in the playoffs, I'm going to be cheering for the Bulls and I'm going to be excited. I'm going to be screaming at the TV. I'm going to be going nuts. Um, but I've gotten to a point where I just try to be unbiased either way. Um, unless it comes to Derrick Rose, I'm always going to be a Derrick Rose fan. Like, I'm always going to think the Bulls could have won a championship during his days. But, um, you know, I've, I've become more of like, you know, just being unbiased and just enjoying it, just wanting to watch good baseball, wanting to watch good basketball. But yeah, I, I got kind of sick of baseball. Honestly, it's too long of a season. The games are boring unless you're there. I actually enjoy going yeah. um, as opposed to like, you know, you're watching on TV and it's like, no one's hitting anything. It's dragging out. Yeah. Like, you know, it just gets boring for me in basketball and football. It's like contact. Okay. Yeah. Contact going back and forth. It's fun for me. Um, even, I even watch like watching boxing or UFC watching yeah. people beat the crap out of each other. I mean, that's like, I mean, dangerous, but it's fun for me, but like baseball, it's like yawn. I could just go to take a nap right now, and that's kind of. I kind of agree. Even though it was my number one love and number one sport to play, I do agree. I can't. I can't discredit anybody who says that. A couple of things I want to touch on now. You mentioned Derrick Rose, and I do also agree with boxing. Like, if I made a list, like we did on our last show with SiriusXM, the top ten things I want to do when quarantine's lifted, and the best sporting event I ever went to was partying in Vegas Thursday, Friday, and then going to a title fight on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't done that, like the vibe from a sports perspective, you know, Thursday, you're partying pool parties, whatever Friday, same thing. Saturday, you now go into the fight. I went to a Pacquiao fight who, uh, you know, me and my wife really liked, and we got like a couple of my boys went out there too to go to a Pacquiao fight and this, you see the celebrities when they put them on the jumbo cam. And we were all the way up top because boxing is not cheap. But we were all the way up top. But as soon as that bell rings, you don't sit down. Everybody's screaming back and forth, punch for punch. And I've been to World Series games. I've been to playoff games for football, hockey, every other sport. Nothing lives up to a, a title fight in Vegas because this Vegas is, is so much different. I think like when the Raiders moved to Vegas – that might have some allure. If the Super Bowl is ever in Vegas, I definitely 1,000%. That's going to be the one Super Bowl I end up going to because Vegas is such a fun fun city, fun town. And if you haven't been to a prize fight, I want to do a UFC fight out there too, either one. I think it would just be a great environment for the entire weekend. But talk about Derrick Rose. Someone posted the other day, and he, the younger generation doesn't even know about it. And even me, I'm 37 kind of forgot but didn't forget all like the whole time through the dude was probably the most explosive player of his generation like Westbrook is amazing he does stuff that nobody does but Rose was even better from an offensive standpoint like he would do stuff from his jumper from everything and just the way he jumped off two feet was just like so explosive someone posted like his highlight reel from college into the NBA in those early years before the injuries and high school games, if you haven't seen that video, it was like a compilation of everything. Dude was the most explosive point guard I've ever seen in a long time, man. And, and my question to you is, if everything ended today, does he make it into the Hall of Fame? Does he have enough of a career that he gets in? No. 
No? Even college, doing what he did in college? No? Mm -mm. Oh, it hurts. Um, I mean, because you look at his NBA career, and all he really has is an MVP. And I know he was an all-star. I'm not sure how many years in a row, but he was an all-star as well. Um, but that it's not enough. I mean, he didn't have enough time in the league where he played at a high level consistently, um, like a LeBron or like a Kobe or like, you know, KG, like all those guys, like they had a long career where they're playing at a consistent level. And they also um, could potentially win a finals. I mean, he was, he was bringing the Bulls to playoffs year after year after year. And then when he went down, I mean, they still made the playoffs um, after he went down. Um, you know, Nate Robinson and those guys took over, which was something I'll never forget either. But um, I don't think he has enough. And like, I hate to say it because I love D Rose and I, and I definitely agree to your point of that. He was one of the most explosive point guards. Um, some of the things that he would do, you're like, how does your body even do that yeah. at that point? But I think it, it, it caught up to him at the point where he's almost too fast for his own good. Yeah, you know, too it's kind explosive. Of like, so quick to the point where he's putting so much wear and tear on his knees, on his ankles. I mean, he had so many injuries leading up to um, when he tore his ACL. Yeah. And, if you, and if you figure all the ankle injuries he had or a sprained ankle, that catches up to you after a while. So unfortunately, I don't think so. Um, I don't think he has enough, enough credentials to earn that spot. Because when you – I'm not going to put him – at a level of Michael Jordan or a no, level no, yeah, yeah. of Kobe or a level of KG, as much as I love the guy, you have to think about who they really induct into the Hall of Fame. Yep. These guys are super, yeah, that super ring. If he got that, If he got that ring for the Bulls, I think it'd be going, he would get through. I think his kind of Hall of Fame speech was when he dropped 50 last year or the year before. That was something just – for him to do that, that was amazing. You know, And you fell for him because – he was at the top of his game for so long, and if it wasn't for injuries, it's not like he was a bad guy or did anything off the court. It was just injuries. That's the only thing that kind of, you know, crippled him, but he kept on coming back, and he still got it, man. Like, you see certain nights he goes out there, and I've been playing him in fantasy. Whenever he gets minutes, he goes out there and puts up a studly game, so he still has it. I would like to see him be on one more one more playoff run team. Like, I don't want to see him on a team that's just, you know, battling for the 10th spot. Like, he needs to be traded, and he needs to go to be a, like a Lou Williams type, a six-man for a team that needs that offensive. And maybe, you know, he's clutch. He can definitely help finish a game off. You know, you play him off the bench, and you let him play the fourth quarter a little bit. Guy's a stud still, so I like that talk there. Um, before I let you go, let me just recap everything here. From this win daily mindset, what is the mindset that you kind of carry with yourself every day? So my win daily mindset is let's get these small victories and keep on stacking these small victories. The defeats, the losses, you learn from them, you move on. You don't let them affect you. You don't let them eat at you. They're just out the door. Like as soon as they come, they go. You learn from them. But you want to get these small victories. You want to keep investing yourself and bring your knowledge base in and always learn something. What is your mindset? What's your philosophy that you kind of tell the, the individuals that you're coaching or your family, your friends, your inner circle? What advice can you give them? And what's your mindset that you kind of live by? Well, if you want to do something, go do it. Um, you know, what you were talking about earlier is that so many people keep making excuses. Well, I don't have this. I don't do this. Blah, blah, blah. Like, we have so many resources um, that we can use at our disposal. And I feel like a lot of times 
you know, people are always coming up with all the reasons why something can't work and not understanding that, well, what if it does work? You know, what, what if, you know, if you really want to do something and you're passionate about something, like don't sit back and wait for somebody else to do it, somebody else to hand you the torch and say, hey, go ahead. No. Um, my thing is every day is to figure out what can you do for that day to be productive? Um, like you said, the small victories. Um, I would say just over, I mean, every day is going to be different. You're not going to want some, there's some days where you literally just don't want to do anything. And like, I think that's okay. Um, you know, I think a lot of times we put, we do put a lot of pressure on people where they make them feel bad that they're not doing something, but I think sometimes it's okay to, to unwind and, and relax and Hey, I want to binge watch Netflix. Okay. You're entitled to that. But I just have people like, I think people need to find their lane, stay in their lane. Don't follow what everyone else is doing. Um, yeah, you could take bits and pieces of advice from people. But I, I would say is to just figure out what it is what you, you, that you want to do. Don't let anyone try to stop you. I mean, there's going to be a lot of people out there who, who try to kill your dreams. And a lot of those times, those are people who didn't get to achieve their dreams or just don't think it's possible because it didn't work for them. But it's just staying consistent, being on top of your grind every day, figuring out what you want to do. And then, yeah, knowing when to, to just chill out. If something's recharge. not going to work, recharge. If it's not going to work for you today, maybe try it again tomorrow. Yeah, somebody put it really good. Like, I forgot who it was, but they said, if I had to look back on what it took to get where I'm at today, like, if you look at yourself, like, five years ago, and you say, okay, I'd have to work for $300 a month, I'd have to go interview and slum and go back and forth and live here and travel and do all this. If you knew you had to do all that now, you wouldn't have done everything that you did. So just do these little things and let them add up and add up and add up and don't say, oh, Every day, oh, I'm only gonna pay $300 a month. Oh, this has happened to me. Because if you start thinking that way, you're gonna put your own stops, your own goals. Um, as far as goals go, what goals do you have coming out of this quarantine? What goals did you have in 2020? And did you readjust now? Like, do you feel like I got more time now? I'm gonna have loftier goals or I'm sticking to what I, I had planned? Like, what do you, you don't have to tell me your secrets, but like, do you set goals and what are your goals? So for me, I definitely, everything was kind of like in the stages for me where things were starting to take off again, where it was like, all right, I went to LA, had some great meetings, did some great things. And then I was like, okay, going to the Pac-12 tournament, I have all these opportunities. Um, I'm going to be going to LA, going to the Bulls, Lakers, you know, it was all these little things that, um, that I was depending on to meet the right people, find the right opportunities. Um, and I also had some meetings that were set up too with some big executives that were going to help kind of figure out how can we work together? How can we collaborate? So now is just a time where I'm focusing on trying to get as much content as possible, whether it's funny content, whether it's more serious content or um, interviewing players, other reporters, kind of seeing what they're up to. I think now is a time where things are a little bit more lenient as opposed to having to go through PR, having to go through the agents and do all that. Um, now it's kind of just like, Hey, I'm going to reach out if they say yes, great. If they don't, whatever. So when all this ends, I still want to be doing what I'm doing, but I'm hoping to find more of, you know, stability in terms of finding like maybe one or two companies that I can kind of work for consistently. Um, but I do want to end up moving to LA. That's the, that's the main goal. Um, I don't really, I'm not looking forward to how much you have to pay to live out there, <laughs> but I think in terms of where I want to go, um, in my future, I think LA is the best spot for me um, to kind of focus on, you know, there's multiple sports there, multiple, um, not just sports, but if I want to go to a red carpet, if I want to do the BET awards, if I want to, I mean, everything is there. So yeah. 
I think there's more avenues for me to touch base in. And I think too, it's like I said to you before, it's not just sports that I like. I like, you know, really getting to know people, psychology and like, like talking more spiritually, like what I mentioned to you with Vic, Victor Oladipo and how this quarantine now is allowing athletes to have a chance to really show who they are as people and not just what the media has to say about them. It's giving them a chance to, we can hear their perspective. We, we can hear about what happened in that game. You know, everyone- The, 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 real, media, the uh, real stuff that happened in that game, yeah. Well, I wanna know what happened in the locker room. Yeah. I wanna know, and, and now we're giving, the, the players have a platform now yeah. to speak their minds and not just, you know, be controlled by the media's agenda, which the media love a headline or they like to, you know, make people turning against each other and they like to ask these questions that are gonna put players in a bad position and I'm not for it at all. So now it's given a chance for maybe some of these athletes to figure out, oh, hey, like I'm passionate about this. Uh, or Carmelo Anthony and Dwayne Wade did their little IG live talking about wine. Yeah. And we're starting to see people are very passionate, not just about sports, but about wine. I and think, I'm like, really cool. Yeah, I think you gotta, I think you just, you know, you hit the nail on the head right there. I think there's a massive opportunity for you right now, personally, I think, if I can be your coach for a second and hopefully you don't have any ego here. No, I think with, with your passive, you know, friendly nature, you're just sitting there, you know, chilling, hanging out in your house, very relaxed. You make me feel comfortable. I think if you hit up your NBA players that you had contacts with, you start with one. I think, so I've seen people do it right. And I've seen people do it wrong. I think you would provide just enough structure for them that they would feel comfortable opening up but they wouldn't go so far off on a tangent where you can kind of keep them in their lane. You know, like I've seen certain players get on IG Live and they're drinking and they're doing things that probably they're not going to really like doing the next morning. Oh but, goodness. you know, from your perspective, like you can probably get some awesome, awesome interviews and then get that inner, like do some research. Oladipo, like how was it recovering while your team was playing and you had such a great season? Like, get those inner stories that they don't get. That's why I love the 30 for 30s. Like you get the story behind the story that mm -hmm. never got released, but there's no reason to wait 15 years anymore. You can get it right now. So like the way I approach you say, come on the show and I appreciate you coming on. I think you can definitely like, no, it's not NBC. It's not ESPN. This is Ashley and Victor Oladipo. Let's talk. What do you want to talk about? Let's stay in our lanes and let's get it out there. And I'll help you get it out there. I need and to get him. You can get I him. Have, I don't have a prior relationship with him though. So okay. I've never met him before. But after seeing his IG live, I'm like, that's my lane. Well, there's probably so many other people like Deepo. Like Deepo, obviously he sings. I know I've seen a couple of things, but like, just imagine what LeBron did with his barbershop. Like I've watched a good amount of episodes. You hear the stories even behind Drake. You know, there's everybody right now, they have stories but they don't know how to get them up, you know, no, simply as getting on Zoom and recording and getting the video. And if you're willing to do all that work for them, I think they'd be willing to do what, what they need done, which is somebody kind of get them in that lane. So I think that's a huge opportunity. So I would advise you just like we've been talking about, just hit them up one way or another. You cover the NBA, you got the credentials, start asking them because it's a huge opportunity for you. And like you said, you know, like you mentioned to me before we got on the show that there might be a story brewing with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. Like, I would love to hear the real story behind it. Like, is Donovan really upset about what Rudy did 
getting him the coronavirus. And there's, there's so many other stories in these locker rooms. Like, well, that's not going to get out until they're like out of the league. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or traded. Yeah. But hurt anybody's feelings or that can ruin someone's career. So when it comes to like certain stuff, like, yeah, we want to know like Donovan, are you really mad? Or is this what media is saying? And why are you so mad? Yeah. You know, what's going on? Like, um, certain things though, we'll probably have to wait until they retire. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things that have happened where athletes have gotten in fights. Yeah. It's like a media frenzy. Oh my God, this, this player punch this player, da, 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 da. but they don't want to talk about it on yeah. camera about what really happened because it might not be beneficial for their career, especially if they want to have a long career and they throw a team under the bus or they throw a president under the bus or an owner under the bus. It's not going to look good. People are like, they talk too much. We don't, we yeah. don't want them. We don't want to trade for them on our team. Yeah. So again, a lot of the stuff that I want to know that we all want to know yeah. um, and not speculate on are things that players are like, okay, I'm not going to talk about this yet, but the moment I retire, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to let everything loose. Like we're, we're, we're getting to listen to stories from like Steven Jackson, Matt Barnes, Gilbert Arenas. Like we get to listen to all these guys that are retired. I mean, Dwayne Wade, um, who are some other guys that I've been really enjoying? I mean, Paul Pierce, you know, we get to listen to Jalen Rose. Like I, as much as I love reporters, and I think we do a great job for the most part, um, I love when former athletes are together on shows and we get to hear those stories and their perspectives. Um, and they let us know, I mean, for the most part, the truth, yeah. as opposed to what we have to say. I mean, I've never, I'm horrible at basketball, okay? So I can't sit here and bash someone for their work ethic or say, why did he miss this shot? Because being cons- having a consistent three-point shot is oh. really, really, really hard. Yeah. Like, very hard. Like, what Steph Curry does is, like, unbelievable. And that's yeah. what makes him so great is that people don't realize, like, basketball, when, you're, when you make it to the league, that's a special skill. Yeah. You are the rare 1%, less than 1% who make it. That's crazy. So for me, as a reporter – that would do me a disservice and the rest of the world a disservice for me to go and bash this player for doing this and, oh, he should do this. He's a basketball player. Like, no. It takes a lot, a lot of practice, a lot of skill, a lot of mindset. Like, there's a lot that goes into it. So I think that's been really enjoyable. And this right now during this time off is that perspective of, like, yeah. you know, Victor Oladipo talking about talking to a psychologist, a sports psychologist, and how – there was a lot of things that happened in his childhood that were getting in the way of him becoming the player and the man that he wanted to become. And I think this is something that people don't realize. And even athletes, um, there's some athletes who are pretty open and you could tell they're very intellectual. Then there's other guys who you really can't get much out of. Um, but a lot of times people don't realize that what happens in your childhood and how you're brought up in life and things that you heard over and over again really do make an impact in what you're going to be in the future. Um, and he was talking about how subconsciously things were getting in the way of him performing at the level he wanted to both on and off the court. And I thought that was so interesting. I'm like, we need to talk about this more because there's a lot that goes on. There's a lot of stories and a lot of things where people really started to dig deep within themselves. They could literally become a better version of themselves if they just realize, hey, this is why I do this or that. So sorry to get on. You can apply it to anything too, like that motivational story of how Depot did it. Or, you know, my I see Shaq is coming out with his own show now, which I'm really interested to see. My favorite show on TV, as far as like a comedy standpoint, is NBA on NBA TNT. Them getting together, just Barkley and Shaq together. Just like I can watch 
Like, I'll watch the game, but I'll definitely watch the halftime and after the game because it's the way they interact with each other. It's real. It's not like somebody scripted this thing. You know, they're just – they're having a good time. They're good people around good people. They trust each other and they open up. And I would love to see, like – I was kind of a fan back in the day growing up seeing MTV Cribs. So if you can see somebody's house right now during quarantine, see their family, see what they're about – See why Giannis doesn't have a hoop at his house, and you get an interview. It, that's, it's it's everybody would be tuned in. And there's no other. There's nothing else to watch in sports right now. So if you got on that, that's like I'd watch it every day. I'll tell you that much. If you got an interview with any of the guys, even Lou Williams or somebody who's not so prominent, anybody in the league, I'd watch it hands down. It doesn't have to be on ESPN. I'd watch it on your IG live. I'd watch it on their IG live. And like you said, it's you know. It's, you next week i'm pushing hard you get it I'm done hard i'm trying i'm like yo like come on but i think there's a lot of people out there i think it's just getting one or two and then say you got one mid-level player then you got one retired player and then you got one higher level player they they know their circle like it's not one nba player who's not friends with another nba player but when the other nba player said oh, that girl Ashley interviewed, I want to get on. Let me get on next. Send me your IG, and they might start hitting you up. Just getting that first one out of the way, that's going to be the toughest. But once you get that out of the way, I feel like the same thing with our, our podcast. We have Lee Steinberg coming on, the guy who his story around Jerry Maguire is built. So we have him scheduled in. Like, people are going to see, wow, Lee Steinberg is on. David Melter is on. All these other people are hopping on. You're hopping on, so it's going to give – more opportunity to come on so same thing with you like you get that first athlete doesn't need to be a home run the first one just have a a nice story around it and I think it just it'll just lead to the next one the next one you'll be so busy at home in Arizona and everybody's nobody can use time for an excuse right now like if they say I don't have time for that you ain't practicing you can't go anywhere you're on lockdown talk to me for 10 minutes what how's it going to hurt you you know so here's what, I, what I'm going to start doing, and I have been doing this, is I'm just going to keep annoying you until I get an answer. Either exactly. yes or no. Even yeah. if you ignore me, like, I'm going to keep texting you. I'm going to keep bothering you. Uh, because here's, here's one thing. So there's this guy, not going to name names, who I was trying to, like, get into the runs, like, every summer at, um, in L.A. I was like, yo, like, I, I, can I come to the run? Like, even just for content, I won't, like, get any interviews, but I just want to come watch. And he would just, like, always, like, ignore me. Or he would just, like, be like, all right, hit me later. Well, like, hey, well, you know, it just kind of wasn't giving me an answer. Finally met him in person. You want to know what he said to me? He's like, closed mouths don't get fed. I'm like, what do you mean? I asked you. He's like, you weren't persistent enough. I'm like, oh, okay. It's like that. All right. You're going to see persistent, aggressive Ashley. And you're going you're, you're gonna to regret saying that because I'm going to find a way into your runs this summer or whenever you do them. And I'm going to find a way to get an interview with whoever. doesn't yeah. matter how many times you tell me no. I'm going to figure out a way um and make it happen but that's that's one thing i learned closed mouths really don't get fed so if you're only asking someone to do something one time some people might just blow it off i just annoy 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 give me what i want give me what i want please please, i want you on here so find a way in there's always a way in you know there's you got to figure out who can get you through that door and maybe it won't be the first person in maybe it'd be the seventh person in but the only way to get to seven is if you did one two three four five six like you said, you just got to be persistent. You got to have that persistent, you know, journey and that confidence that I'm good either way, but mm-hmm. I'm going to keep trying. And I think that's what made you successful. It makes a lot of people successful is that they don't give up. Like if you technically never quit, you can always get that person you want to hop on and run with. 
you know, it's, it's going to keep happening. You're going to keep having opportunities. Just keep on doing it. Yeah, you're taking these losses now, but when you get it, it's going to be all worth it because then you're going to say, you know how many times I had to hit this dude up, you know, through – like right now, like I've been hitting up Trey Young. I'm like, yo, you got to do this horse competition. You got to do this horse competition. You got to do it. Stop drinking wine. Do this. Do that. And it's happening. I don't know if I had any influence, but I still want to talk to this dude. I think he's a funny character. He's young in the league. He's got a lot of pressure on him to kind of carry the league, carry the Curry, you know, trend. He's going to be the new guy, him and Lucas. So, like, these are things that you just keep on pushing at and you'll get it. Um, this wasn't the first time I asked you to come on the show, and now you're here. So, you know, things happen. Before? Yeah, I asked you back in – I don't know if I asked you to come on the show. I asked you – I don't remember. Nothing, nothing major. I asked you just – to connect or whatever and we connected we talked but it didn't work out but now we're we're here it's not a big it wasn't like a hard thing to to make happen and just connect with you but certain people are a little bit tougher you know and certain people might flake on you and say yes and then it becomes a no whatever the case may be you just gotta keep on going at it and I think you'll get it whether it's Depot I saw your interview with Spencer Dinwiddie Devin Booker you know just you know Booker Aiton there's so many people that you already have like I think you should go back to your circle that you already interviewed. They're already comfortable with you. Like, if you went back to Devin Booker, would he remember you? Probably. Yeah. Do you have that open lines of communication? Yeah. Is he sitting home playing NBA 2K in this little tournament? Yeah. Imagine you were the one interviewing him while he's doing the live stream or whatever the case may be. Go back to the people that you already connected with. I think that's something that people forget to do sometimes. Like, oh, I asked this person for a favor before. All right, ask him again. What's the worst thing he can do? Say no or whatever. So. You guys, though. I need to get Depot. I need to get Kyrie. Um, Kyrie's going to be tough. I feel like he's, like, protected kind of. Yeah. He's, he's very he's tough. Off. His team, like, everyone's really closed off. Him and Katie, I think, are tough. Like, they, they, yeah, they always haven't are, been on the right side uh, are, of media. That's difficult to deal with PR stand, from a PR standpoint. All right, I might have a contact. I have somebody that works there that I've connected with on LinkedIn. So maybe somehow, some way, you can get you through the door. Keep pushing. You never know. There's all, all it takes is that one time where they're like, oh, screw it. I'll do it. Yeah. You know, all it takes is that time. But there's certain guys I'm like, oh, I, need, I need it. I need that interview. I need to figure out a way to make it happen. So I'm going to keep bothering. Um, Who's your top five? Let me hear the top five of the, the people you want to interview in sports. I'm going to hold you to this. I'm going to check back in with you every couple of months to see if you knock them off your list. And when you, when I do see it on IG, I want to see who it is. So I would assume Depot is one of them. Depot for sure. Just based on his IG live alone, I know it'd be a great conversation. It would go a long way. Um, I want to interview people, players that I feel like our conversations could make a true impact on the people watching. So I wanted to go beyond basketball. I want okay. to get to know these players inside and out. Um, I feel like LeBron would be an amazing, I mean, I know everyone wants LeBron, but I, I would talk to him more so about um, the things, the endeavors he does off the court. And I want to know more about the mindset, yeah. the mindset every day, you know, how he controls his nerves, how he is able to play in game winning situations. Um, I want to get more in depth with that. Uh, Dwayne Wade, I've already interviewed him, but I definitely want to try to get him on an IG live or a zoom like this um, to talk about what's going on. Um, post-retirement. I, I want to know how he's getting acclimated to not being around a team every day, all day, and not working out all the time. Like, so those are the three for right here, for right, I guess for those, for right now, those three I think would be top. Um, 
another two. Um, I'm trying to think. Who's the next, who's the person that you can get you think easily that would be a good interview, even if you did it again, or it's a new interview, who do you think you can reach out to tomorrow and get and put up and be a good NBA interview that maybe it's a young guy, maybe it's an up and coming guy, maybe it's somebody that has a story that you know, but a lot of people don't know. Who do you think you could get that'd be a really good interview right now? Well, Dame already said no, Damian Lillard. I think he's only accepting like NBA, NBA TV, ESPN, like those kinds of interviews. So he already said no, but I can always circle back and be like, hey, I know you said no, um, but I'd really like to like at least just hop on an IG, even if it's for like five minutes, just to ask you like, like some speed, like a, like a couple quick questions, like rapid gotcha. questions. Um, who do I think I can get right now? Ooh. Um, that's really tough because like they've been difficult right now, and I don't know really? why. I don't know why. I feel like now would be the time that everybody would open up who's bored as hell, singing home. They can tell their wives, I got to do this interview. It's business. I get five, ten minutes on the that. side. There, there's, that's another thing that's been, I think, going to be a problem is the wives um, that are like, who is this girl you're talking to right now? And I don't want to say like that that is a thing, but like, I truly, truly think it's a thing. Um, they don't, I mean, unless it's like a colleague, I feel like they're weird about that stuff. Um, I could try to get, um, Kendrick Perkins might do it. Um, I can get him, possibly Gilbert Arenas. I can probably get him. I'm aiming for him next week. I'm praying. Um, he said next week, but you know, it can turn into next week, next week, next week. Um, who else? I really would love to get Channing Fry. Really? Why? Because he's coaching and stuff or what's the reason on Fry? Um, well, I already have previous communication with him on Twitter, so it could, it could work. Um, but I'm trying to think any other ones, uh, Jalen Brunson might do it. I mean, I know that he told me he was looking so bad because he hasn't seen a barber. So he's like, I don't <laughs> like that. I've been um, rocking hats. My hair is the longest it's ever been in a long time right now. <laughs> yeah. So he's kind of like, I don't want to be seen. Um, Patrick Beverly has told me no, like a billion times. But... I would love that. Beverly would be a good, good interview. If he's yeah. the same person he is on the court, yes. you, you just give him the mic and just be like, you ask him one question. I think he can talk for days. So he's um, someone that I've been trying to, to get. Been very difficult. Um, a lot of these guys are difficult. Like I was hoping like Dane would say yes. I could try asking Dwayne Wade. Um, that's, I could try. I don't know if it'll work. I haven't tried yet. I'm kind of scared just because he has done so much for me um, in the past where, like, he was able to get me into his party at, at All-Star. I didn't even know about it. And everyone's like, oh, you need to, like, have an invite to be on the list. I'm like, okay. And people wouldn't, like, take me with them. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to DM him and see what happens. And he put me on the list. So I'm like, okay. Um, but it's like, how many favors I want to ask Dwayne Wade, right? Like, it's kind of like- One more. If you can make it happen, one more. Yeah. I'm going to want another one, you know? <laughs> uh, I would love to get mellow. Or even a Lou Will, like you mentioned. Like a Lou Will would be awesome. Jamal Crawford, I'm still trying to work on. He's been difficult too. Um, for we'll whatever. make it happen. We'll make it happen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work with you. I'll see if I can reach out to anybody that I can, you know, figure out as far as the NBA goes. I feel like everybody, you know, if you told them the topics – of the conversation and you, you, they knew what they were getting themselves into and you're not the typical media person just chilling out. We'll have a quick conversation. I'll help you make it happen. I know you're going to do it anyways, but you know, I'm going to push you a little more to make sure you get it done while we're on this quarantine. We should have a contest. What's okay? this? Contest. Oh God. All right. What is it? I'm down. So 
it's kind of, have you seen what they did on the Katie Nolan? Uh, it's always late with Katie Nolan. Do you see that viral video? No, I tried not to watch the news. So shoot. <laughs> well, they had um, a Zoom call. It was Katie, um, Mina Kimes, um, and then like Amino Hassan was on it. And a couple other media personalities were on it. They had, they were like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to try to, whoever gets the most famous people in the Zoom chat will win. Okay. So one chat at one time? One chat. So they were just sending the links out to everybody. Hey, join the chat, join the chat. And you can't tell them why. Just say, hey, join the chat. And they were all like messaging people. And then you're seeing like Dwayne Wade pop on, Alvin Gentry pop on. You're seeing like uh, Kendrick Perkins and all these. And uh, what's it? Uh, Kershaw popped on. I mean, really? Yeah, Kyle Long was on there. I'm like, oh my God. Like they're getting all these people. And it was hilarious. You need to go. You need to, I'll send you the, the, the link to it. Um, but it, I, it was like a, I think they, they condensed a three hour video session into like eight, 10 minutes. And it was hilarious seeing all their reactions. So it was a contest. So my contest to you okay. is we're, we need to try to get as many famous people on our shows um, and whoever gets the most wins. So the yeah. most at one time. So it's well, not, not- No, not at one time, like not all together, but like the most like during quarantine. Okay. So whatever quarantine there was. So, so what class? All right. So what classifies? Is it an athlete playing professional sports? Is that what we're gonna do? I think you have the slight edge there. So you, I gotta get like a, a handicap of like one or two plays, but I'm down either way. So we're gonna go uh, athletes. Either current or former. Current and former athletes, any sport, who can get any the most sport. of them? All right, I'm down. Any I think sport. worst case scenario, I'll get crushed, but I'll get a couple NBA athletes, MLB athletes, and it'll still be fun. And, ESPN reporters. Um, we could throw in Fox Sports. We could throw in. I mean, I would consider Bleacher Report to be a pretty good one. Um, Do they count them, as an athlete? You mean? No, I, I think that it can count as like a famous person. It can okay. even be a movie star, or it can be like I don't really know any movie stars, but it could be like anything like that. All right, I'm down. So and it's not an easy thing. Like you might think, like I have an edge. Like it's been really hard and annoying that I can't get certain people. So. Yeah. All right. And I'm down, I'm down to share some contacts. So if I get someone really cool, that thing would be good for you. You know, it's a competition, but let's make it a friendly competition, help each yeah. other out, building our brands. But I like yeah. to be pushed. I'm a, I'm a gambler and a, I love competition. Competition is like the number one thing that drives me. So I'm totally down. Um, there's no end date. So that's a good thing. You're never out the game because this quarantine could push a lot longer than we think. It could be another um, couple months. I think in New York, it's probably going to push. I might have an edge over your that. You might be free in Arizona before I'm free in New York. So that's true. So we'll we'll figure out the date though. But I like that competition. You know, I hope you have a good rest of your weekend. And uh, anytime you want to get back on and talk and just help each other out, I'm completely down with that. You know, you're in my circle now. Hope I'm in your circle. We'll help each other out. And who knows? Maybe we'll work something together. You know, work on something together, a project because you know you're a very easy person to work with. I wish you the best. And, you know, I love the mindset you have that you're just grinding, man. You're really out there grinding by yourself and you're not, it doesn't seem like you don't mind it. A lot of people, like, they want to be part of a clique. They want to be part of a team and they can't really do it on their own. And those are the people right now that I talk to that are struggling. The people who are, like, independent, they're living by themselves or working on stuff themselves, they're crushing right now. They have, like, all these ideas, they're excited, they're thinking positive. All the time. Yeah. I'm like, right, let's do this, let's do this. I'm like, you know, like there's a couple funny parody stuff that I did with B-Dot and then this other kid, uh, the kid Gowie. 
And I was like, yo, I'm like, cause he does impersonations. I'm like, let's do one where I'm FaceTiming you and you're, you're Stephen A, you're Shaq and you're LeBron. And we edited it and like posted the video like it. And like, I got a lot of hits. And then with B-Dot, I did one, let's do a parody. Like let's do um, when, like if reporters really said what was on their mind, you know, things like that. Like it's when they're talking to an athlete, when they're giving like crappy answers, we want to be like, yo dude, I'm trying to do my job here and you're not working with me at all. Or we did one where we're, with reporters ask dumb questions. And like, this is stuff that's like true. Like there have been reporters who ask stupid questions. There yeah. have been times where athletes are just horrible interviews because they don't want to talk. So we just did all these parodies and I had these ideas. I'm like, yo, this is an idea. Like, let's do it. And yeah. I'm like, we can make this happen. So we did. Yeah. So let's push each other. Let's keep working on stuff. Let's be innovating. Let's be creative. Let's be positive. And let's pivot right now. I think the biggest thing is to pivot. Don't, like we were saying, stay in your lane. But if there was ever a time to pivot out of your lane, this would be the time because the complete, you know, the whole world's on shutdown and nobody really notices that I'm in a new lane right now. So if you can get in that lane before other people get in that lane, if we start doing some creative stuff, we come out and now we're this new person, rebranded, new idea, new businesses. And I think that's where the huge opportunities lie, where people are, are staying with this innovation and staying positive and making the best of it. You know, definitely take these wins and these victories. Like I, I said it before, I'm going to repeat it again. I have a feeling when everybody who's complaining now, they're going to complain when they go back to work too, you know, and I'm going to be the opposite. I'm probably going to be complaining a little bit if I get, you know, handcuffed, like I have to do certain things now, like the freedom I have now, I don't know if I'll ever get that again. You know, this pause People button. Are never going to be happy sometimes. Like yeah. everyone thinks that happiness is always at the next job, the next state, the next yeah. relationship, the next this. And it's like, Happiness is within you, right? 100%. So you're not, if you're not happy within yourself or within your current situation or whatnot, you're never going to be happy. Yeah, Thank someone put it, someone told me this the other day, my sister-in-law, and I never heard it before. I'm 37. I never heard this, this saying ever in my life. And it's like the truest statement. And I kind of believed in it before I ever heard about it. You know how people say the grass is always greener? Like that's the saying. I never heard the opposite of that, which is it's brown everywhere. Have you ever heard that? And then where you water it. Yeah, yeah. So like now I, I fully believe that like that glass half empty, glass half full. So I'm going to look outside. It's a beautiful day. And that same person sitting next to him said it's miserable outside. It's just a way you look at things. So I'm staying positive. I know you're going to stay positive. I enjoy the time you spent. I'm going to definitely reach out to you again and do this. Okay. You know, at the, at the end of quarantine, we got to do this again, yeah. um, if not sooner, and then kind of figure out what we did. You know, we have this little competition. Maybe we'll add to the competition. Like, if you get Dame Lillard, he's worth two points because he's <laughs> the guy that you really wanted. If I get somebody, gives me a shot to go get a couple points and come back and, and you know, stage a if comeback. Dwayne Wade's going to be, like, ten points. Yeah. is going to probably be, like, around eight because I really want to interview him. Yeah, he's, he's intellectual. I think, you know, I'm going to maybe – Pete Rose wrote my forward to my book. If I can get him um, – because he's got a he's got a story and a half. Like if I get him back, um, I met Cliff Floyd, which is a baseball player. Uh, he used to play on the Mets, the Marlins. I met him at a fantasy event uh, for DraftKings. Delano the Shields. Yeah, he played with. Do I remember him or what? Yeah, do you remember him? Yeah, he's from the Expos. I know every baseball player, so you can't I really. Maybe get his son who plays now, and yeah. they have the same name. Anybody? Yeah. So like Cliff Floyd is somebody I want to try to get because he's I. I spent a night with him 
and I kind of got the interview before there was ever an interview process. We, we met at a, a fantasy event and there's a lot of money on the line. Only a hundred people made it to these like live finals for this huge event. They shipped us to, to Toronto. And I was wearing a Mets Jersey. He used to play for the Mets. He used to play for a couple different teams. And I see him, I saw him in the elevator before we went to the event. I'm like, what's up Cliff? And I think he was kind of shocked that I knew who he was when we were just standing there. Cause you know, he's not like the most recognizable person. Not like he's LeBron walking around. So then we got to the event later on. And after like the first hour, I was pretty much out of contention for big money. Like first prize was like a million dollars. No joke. I ended up winning money, whatever the case may be, but I walk away and I walk past him. He's like, I had like, probably had like a little bit of a puss on my face. Like not so happy. He's like, what's up, man? I'm like, not much. I'm like, just, just didn't go the way I wanted to go. It's like, what happened? I'm like, I played scared. I basically, I said something else, but I'm not going to repeat what I said because used a couple of curse words, but I'm like, just didn't do what I was supposed to do. And that just led, me being real, led to an hour and a half long conversation with Cliff Floyd, drinking at the bar. And everybody's walking by. I was like, you know this guy? I'm like, no, we just met. But we really had in-depth conversation like the the interview that you want to have I can't repeat the stuff he told me because it was like private just to us but those are the interviews that were gold like talking about what it was like to be in a locked room during the steroid era you know what was it like to travel and be away from your family and all these little things yeah like like about the steroid era yeah like those stories are the stories that I think you know retired athletes would give up playing athletes might not, you know? And I think those retired athletes might be like that. Melo has stories for days playing for the New York Knicks and playing in college and, you know, all the different teams and experiences. And, you know, I was surprised by his comeback this year. I didn't think it was actually happening. I I thought he was pretty much done. Um, And he's been playing well for Portland. So I, I know there's some really good stories out there, like really heart to heart stories. And if you get them, like, there's really no reason to wait 10 years to get a 30 for 30 on these stories. So, yeah, let's go do it. Um, like I said, it's been a pleasure. Enjoy the rest of your time. Be safe on quarantine. Don't go out if you don't need to. And just spend the time with your family, building your brand and your business. Um, where can everybody follow you one last time on IG, Twitter, all that kind of stuff? Spell it out. They don't yeah. have to take a guess. Ashley Neville, A-S-H-L-E-Y, and then Neville, N-E-V as in victory, E-L. All right, Ashley, appreciate your time. I'm going to stop recording now. We're good to go here. And everybody, this is the Win Daily Show. You can check us out at Win Daily DFS on Twitter or Win Daily on IG. See you guys later.